Welcome to the Dissected Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I am here to bring incredible guests to you on the topics of teaching and leadership. In this third season, we are focusing on what keeps teachers in the game. It's no surprise that this year has been the most challenging year of teaching for most teachers. And while many are considering leaving the profession altogether, there are also many who still love what they do, or at least have faith that they will love it again soon. We covered all of the challenges and solutions that are needed during season two, and season three is dedicated to seeing us through the challenge to a brighter side of teaching. Get ready to be inspired. This season of the Dissected Podcast is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get custom food bowls or custom chore charts printed by the 3D Printing Man. Visit his Etsy store, The 3D Printing Man, again at Etsy, The 3D Printing Man, and use the code DISSECTED for 10% off. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We have a really important topic to talk about today with Ron Reich. We're going to be talking about empathy, emotional intelligence, and psychological safety as it relates to us as employees in a school district, a school organization, and leaders of these organizations. Ron has spent decades doing research on psychological safety, emotional intelligence, and empathy, and he really says that you, you, without psychological safety, you really can't have empathy or emotional intelligence. So we're going to learn what he says are the four components of psych- psychological safety, or the four phases, inclusion, learning, con- contribution, and challenging. Um, I actually did a Facebook Live about this, oh uh, gosh, maybe about a month ago, and it was amazing to me how many people were unfamiliar with this concept. And I believe it's at the root of the fear that so many in education feel when it comes to speaking up and advocating for their own needs. So it's an extremely important topic, one that we'll revisit often. I hope you learn a lot and enjoy. Here's Ron. Okay, real quick before we get to Ron, did you know that having a strong classroom culture plan is the most important way to have a joyful, calm, peaceful year where your students are learning and transitioning and taking pride in their work and following expectations. It's everything that we dream of as teachers. Check out drkeeganyeadley.com. That's D-R-K-E-E-G-A-N-J-E-D-E-L-E.com. And check out my teacher membership. This summer, we are going to be focusing on creating that strong classroom culture plan that you need to have the best year yet next year. The year you wish you had this year, but we didn't see coming. A year that can sustain any unknowns and any unforeseen changes. You deserve this year. Check it out. And you get actually two months free when you join now. We have Ron Wright with us. And I'm really excited to have him on for this episode because we need to talk about something that I think is a shared experience among every educator, no matter what level they're at. And we need to dive into it and acknowledge it and and then pull it apart and talk about it. So I'm going to turn it over to Ron to introduce himself first, and then we'll get into our topic on leadership and uh, all things organizations today. Thank you, Makayla. Uh, Hi, everybody. My name is Ron Reich, and my background uh, is I have 28 years of experience in leadership development, management development. I've done executive coaching, uh, management level coaching, 
uh, at all, actually at all levels throughout all different types of organizations. Uh, for the past 17 years, I've had my own business. And that is the type of work upon which I have focused. And uh, Makayla, I've said to you on a number of different occasions, truly, I am so, so happy and so excited to be a guest today. I have believed for years, uh, for a lot of different reasons, about the need for strong leadership development in all of our school systems. So yeah. I'm really glad to be with you today. Yeah, and, uh, you know, same. And I know, we, you know, just for anybody listening, Ron and I had a chance to uh, to talk to each other before we recorded a few weeks ago. And what is usually like a 15 minute conversation just to <laughs> meet each other and talk about the podcast was probably like 45 minutes because there were so many things that we, that resonated with me and, and I'm sure vice versa about the need for strong leadership in, in education and the consequences of when we don't have strong leadership in, in our schools and in our school districts. And I am going to start by asking you, Ron, what would you say is the biggest challenge facing leaders? I think it's probably the, the, the need for the leaders to get honest, open information from their colleagues, just talking to, in talking to clients, and, and when I say clients, I'm including leaders, and I'm also including their colleagues where there is just a disconnect. And it's like, I'm, I'm afraid to open up. I'm afraid mm -hmm. to talk the truth or speak my truth to the leaders of this organization. And the leaders saying too, I want you to be open and honest. And there is that disconnect. And I think it's one of the biggest issues uh, that exists today for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree when you and I talked about this before. Um, I can admit that I was, I became one of those team members that became hesitant to and, and sometimes afraid of sharing honest feedback to the point where I would just rather be harassed and not take the survey than, than do anything. Um, yeah. I wasn't always that way. And I think it depended on what I now understand as this feeling of, you know, do I feel safe to share this, or share this or not, whether or not it's, you know, positive feedback or, you know, maybe cool feedback that when I was a teacher in my first seven years, I felt completely safe to share how to share honest feedback. I, I was, I did not have a problem with that. And when I went into administration, I suddenly found myself kind of fearing everything and I didn't know why I didn't have a phrase for it, but I knew I was, you know, there was so much fear. And then what I heard from teachers who either, you know, they were teachers in my building or teachers I connected with through leading a professional learning session in another school, that there was this deep rooted fear. And, and, and no matter how many times I might say, this really is anonymous or this really is just for feedback. <laughs> you know, I could tell and sense, and they'd be honest with me too. And they'd say, listen, we want to believe you, but we just can't. And, you know, I would say that's okay. I, I, you know, I understand. Um, but it did make it difficult to get honest feedback, but then in, in, because of a, you know, an organizational lack of trust mm -hmm. at the same time, I also then 
came to understand and empathize with them because I also would never share honest feedback with my supervisors out of fear of retribution and retaliation. So I think you are, you you and I talked about this and and there's a term and I'd love for you to take us through some of these things. You and I talked about things like empathy, emotional intelligence and psychological safety. And I felt like maybe you had read my mind or like we, I attended (laughs) as you thought at some point, because, you know, in leadership, those are actually the most important things to me as a leader. Um, And three things that I would say are most lacking in the education space. I think they're widely acknowledged as important in leadership journal articles that I read and and practices that I, that I read everywhere, but least practiced in the education space uh, yet the most critical. So can you take us through some of this to help us unpack it? And even, even just for listeners understand what these terms and concepts even mean. Yeah. I, I, I think the best way to do this is probably to start with psychological safety because with, without psychological safety, None of the other things that we'll talk about truly matter. Uh, as I understand it, psychological safety has four different levels. The first level, very simply, is just inclusion. And what that means is that we as human beings, we, we as employees, and in this case, as educators, whatever it might be, want to feel included with our colleagues and with the people to whom we report. Uh, And this is again from a human perspective. I wanna feel included in that. Ron, we're going to coffee, would you like to join us? Ron, we're going down to the cafeteria for lunch, please come with us. And just the the water cooler conversations, Mm -hmm. those types of things. If I don't feel included, I'm not gonna feel safe. And I, you know, I, I, I'm just going to be excluded. And a lot of times, and again, uh, much like yourself, Michaela, I've been in this situation before. I'm going to start to isolate myself some. I'm not going to speak up that much. And I'm not going to share that much about anything that's going on because I don't feel safe at the most basic level. So once that's left, or one, once that's met, the second level is called learning. And I need to feel safe learning on my job. Simply, I need to be able to ask you questions as my boss. I need to come to you as a, you know, if if you're my colleague, I'm not sure how to do this. Can you help me with this? Are you willing to help me? And, And just kind of everything that goes along with that. I need to feel safe that it's okay for me to learn. It's okay for me to make mistakes. I'm not going to get my head torn off. People aren't going to laugh at me. You know, people aren't going to be talking about me behind my back. And that's the learning aspect. The third level is contribute. Once I feel included and once I know that, yes, I have learned this job, now I'm ready to contribute. Now I can really make a difference with the team. And again, this is where the trust starts to come in, where it is like, wow. And and again, Michaela, I'm speaking for you here. Ron really does know what he's doing. Let's let him run with this. This is good. He is okay. Let's let's give him a little bit. Let's give him more to do. And I mean that in a positive sense, not dumping by any stretch. Just 
now I'm contributing. Okay, wonderful. Now that I'm feeling comfortable, and again, from an, from an inclusion perspective that I've learned and I'm contributing, the final aspect of psychological safety is challenging. I feel safe to challenge you. I feel safe to, ch to challenge you, my boss. I feel safe to challenge my colleagues. You know what, everybody? I don't think we should. I don't think this is the best reading program for the kids. I'm not comfortable with this. You know what? The kids are struggling with this. We're going too fast. And it's whatever it might be is just, I feel safe challenging. And then once, once those are all met, that's when we can start to move into some of the other things that we were talking about, emotional intelligence, empathy, and, and, and really, there are so many other topics that we could explore. So, I mean, I, I, I can leave it in your hands. Where might you want to go next? Well, I think I want to stay with um, psychological safety for, for a minute because I want to thank you for how you broke that down. I think how you broke down the four kind of aspects of psychological safety was really helpful. And a I have a question just to clarify. Would it be fair to say that if the four do you call them stages or components stages components synonymous. Okay. is it fair to say that if you know we have inclusion learning contribute and challenge is it safe to say that the first one like inclusion must be present in order for learning to be happening and learn inclusion and learning must be present and then in order for contribution exactly. to happen and then the fourth exactly. challenge the, the previous three must be there that's right that's right. And it, it's, it's all a process. That's exactly okay. right. And it, it's, it's linear. Each one needs to be met in, in so, order to have sustained success. And so in sticking with psychological safety, it was ironic to me, my first, I'd never heard this term until I would say I was a principal for eight years. I'd say my seventh year was when I was introduced to this. And I was not I did not feel psychologically safe then and I did not definitely in the, the beginning four years and so I was like oh my goodness like I've been thinking about this for so long we didn't know that there was a framework for it or, or or a freeze but it was ironic to me that the person who introduced the concept was the actual person that like burst that safety bubble for me in this place and I was like I was I just was like oh, man like I, I didn't say anything again the I, it wasn't a safe space for me to do that. And I didn't really know how I would. And I said, it's not really worth it to kind of say, Hey, but you're sharing this with us to make us better leaders. But like you actually created a super un unsafe uh, environment for me where I'm a different leader. I'm, a, I'm the same leader to my, to my, in my, to my people, to my teachers and her, but I'm a, not the same team member as I was um before this happened and it stayed with me for the duration of my time with the organization yeah. um what I, I don't know if we get to this now or at the end or but how do we infuse this into like if somebody's already you know they're like me they've got their doctorate they're not going back to more schooling for educational leadership right yes and they, how do we infuse this into their leadership practices? How do we make them aware this is important? And how do they determine or how do we how do they know if they're creating a psychologically safe or unsafe environment 
and then what can they do to 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 start to learn this and how to how to how to do it i think i i i think the first thing that needs to happen and no no pun intended here mm -hmm. is that people need to get educated about this yeah they they need the training on it and it it goes back to we don't know what we don't know yeah yeah you know and i mean once once people become aware of it that's when we can start to talk about some of the tools that are available to create a psychologically safe environment yeah you know point. and i mean i i heard you know part of the question was too how how can how can leaders create a safe environment research is very clear on this and that one of the best things any leader can do is to take the time to get to know his or her colleagues really well. And that is both personally and professionally, which ties into the inclusion piece. And you know, I, I, I've had some people ask me before, I've had clients ask me before, well, what do I talk to these people about? You know, what, what is it? And you know, there's an acronym that I like. I read this in a book not long ago. Uh, and the acronym is, if you want to talk to people, you can use the Ford method. You can always talk to people about F, their family. The O, you can talk to people about their occupation. What do you love about working here? What's fun here? Mm -hmm. What's, you know, what, what, with what do you struggle? And again, there are just a bunch of other questions we can use for that. You can always talk to people about the R, Recreation. What do you love to do when you're not here? What are you passionate about? How do you spend your time? And then the D is dreams. What are your dreams? What do you what do you dream about? What would you love to be able to do? If you if, if you didn't have to work, what would you be doing? Again, just anything along those lines, get to know people. And I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into a, a lot of personal stuff here. Uh, an, an old boss of mine one time was, to me, was very unapproachable. Just, just you know, you know, very big man and just, you know, task oriented. And he and I shared some very personal information one day about stuff that had gone on with us. And suddenly I just looked at him and I was like, you're human. <laughs> you're, you're human. And I mean, it, it changed my perspective. I mean, it really did. And, and sadly, though, much like your story, the bubble burst shortly thereafter. <laughs> and, and still in all, though, that the key point for me to create a safe environment, we need to know each other. Yeah. I, I mean, and it, I mean, for me, it, it just makes it just makes so much sense. It's common sense. And I hadn't really thought about it that much before. Yeah, I mean, I Yes. So I mean, I think that's a great, so that, that's a great though for anybody who's listening who says, you know what, either I just want to make sure that I'm creating this kind of environment and I, I don't have time to go research all of this, but I'm hearing that I can get to know my staff better, my teachers better, my colleagues better. And I would say probably if there's any year or couple of years where that's been really hard, it would probably be in the last two years because nobody has time for anything. And we've actually physically been separated for lots of it. 
So the opportunity to really like kind of walk around, pop into classrooms and all that stuff has, and then the masks and all of that. So I love the, I love what you gave the acronym Ford, um, because if you're not really sure what to ask people about family, occupation, recreation, and dreams, um, that's a great thing to keep in mind, especially if you're somebody like me who's introverted. Sometimes you're just like, I don't have the energy right now to think up a conversation, but I know it's important to do so. And I'm going to, um, that's great to have in the, in the back of your mind. So thanks for mentioning, um, getting to know people because I, I always say education, we're, we're in the people business, right? We're not manufacturing, we're not manufacturing. We are, we're not on an assembly line. We are, we're teaching people and we're, and we're leading people and we're working collaboratively as a group of people, um, to, towards a common mission. And so people are at the center of what we do. And because of that, we do need to get to know each other and especially for leaders get to know who they're working with so that in a genuine way, right. In a genuine way or else that disingenuine, if anything's disingenuous, that, that will come across, you know, right away. That's so, right. And, and that and that ruins the inclusion right there. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right, right there. It's over. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I probably will never trust you again or yeah. it will take a long time for me to trust you again. And one thing I'm hearing a lot is I, I mean, if I had to diagnose where we are right now across the country in terms of I'm just going to speak teachers with their school level leaders and or district leaders. I don't know that we're very, I don't know that we're past that we're even in level stage two, which is learning Mm -hmm. because what I hear a lot from teachers is especially since I, I have a coaching practice where I actually coach teachers from around the country. So I'm not in their school system. And what I have found, and this was not something that I even thought about prior, I just wanted to, help, I wanted to help them and serve them, but we've gotten to the, the, we've gotten underneath into the core of their, their, their challenges so quickly because they don't have to worry about what they say. Um, they don't have to worry about how they sound or how they come across. There really aren't that many, they have like two qualifiers. And I say, listen, this is a judgment free zone and um, it's unbiased. And so you can, you don't have to worry about that here. And instead of saying like, yeah, well, I hear you saying that, but like you work in the district I work in, or I don't know who, you know, they immediately are like, oh, okay, well, this is what happened. And then we get to this level of honesty so fast. And because of that, we're able to then come to solutions really quickly, then try the solutions out and come back to each to come back together and talk about, Okay, so I tried how you tried this. How did it go? Oh, well, you know what? It went well, but then this part didn't go well. And we die, we dissect that. And then we, you know, come up with the next step. And then they try that. And there's that fear of getting it wrong in front of people who uh, might be your leadership or your evaluators or administrators is gone. It's not there. And it's amazing the growth that people are making when that, when that safety piece is there for them because they're, or they're, at least they're not feeling unsafe. And I think right now that's where we really need to do a lot of work as mm-hmm. an education system is in creating safety for, and I'll, for teachers for sure. And absolutely for, for leaders um, and in our, 
in the places where we spend the most time saying, oh, the learning gaps and this, and, you know, and there is an equity in urban areas or areas that um, are, you know, might have a high number of students who are on free or reduced lunch. That's where the trust is the least and the lowest. And that's where the, um, this fear and worry and lack of safety is the most prevalent. So it's like in the place where we need it the most is where we see it the least. And I think that's where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think so, so often, you know, pe pe the, the, the fear is if I make a mistake, I'm going to get called on the carpet. I'm going to be in big trouble. I don't know what's going to happen to me right. if I make a mistake. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's just so sad. I mean, I, I can't, I can't quote, quote the book exactly here. Uh, the, the book that I did read, though, about psychological safety says along the lines of if, if there is any fear within the organization, it's a lack of leadership. Mm. There, there is a lack of leadership there. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. I would agree. And, you know, and I can there might've been times when, you know, I wasn't able, I wasn't creating the safest space for my teachers. And, and maybe it wasn't a lot of times, I think it wasn't me, but it might be like, cause you have a team, right? And if you don't have, if you don't make sure your whole team is creating the safe, it's on the principal, like it's on me. Uh, even though I may, I may be somebody that people feel safe with, but if I have somebody on my team that people don't feel safe with, we don't have psychological safety and that's the leadership my dogs yeah. um, but that's <laughs> I even have them like they're like three rooms away <laughs> um, but um you know if, if it's on me it is it's on me as the leader to not just make sure that I am somebody that people want to come to and, and feel comfortable doing that but if any member of my team is that's not right. creating a safe environment then a it's not a safe environment and b it's on me as the principal or the leader to make sure that I'm addressing that and creating that safe environment um, that's, that's from the gym. I, I, just, I, just, I just want to mirror what you're saying. I mean, just absolutely positively is that it's incumbent upon the leader to set the environment, to create the environment. And then, I, I actually, you, you, you make me think of something. One of, the, one of the best books I've read relative to setting expectations, which is kind of what we're talking about right here, yeah. actually, is setting the expectation of having a safe environment. The book is called How Did That Happen? And I, it, it's co-authored. I'm not going to remember the authors right now. Yeah. Uh, regardless, the, the one thing that I loved within the book, the one comment, they asked the question, what type, what type of team slash environment do you want to create? Okay, fine. Then as a follow-up, what are you allowing? Yep. And it's that simple. I mean, it really, really, well, this is what I want to create. That's all well and good. Super. What are you allowing? Because if yeah. you're not enforcing your expectations, they're meaningless. And in right. fact, it, 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 it's nobody, who's going to be able to learn in that type of environment? Yeah. Who's going to feel safe there? It's like, no. I mean, my, my sister taught at the local high school for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And part of, the, part of the dress code was you're not permitted to wear T-shirts. You're not permitted to wear hats. The kids come in wearing T-shirts, wearing hats. You're not allowed to be here. You know, 
get rid of the hat. You can't wear t-shirts, no support from the administration. Mm. And it's like, then what do we, what, what's the reason we would even bother telling these kids this? Well, right. Right. <laughs> if you're not going to enforce it, then don't make it a rule. Exactly. I mean, who's, who's running the school now? Right. Right. You know, and uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. A hundred percent. I would love to something that actually, um, has been extremely important to me as a leader. So this is, it's part of my like genetic makeup, but then also in my leader, as a leader, uh, it was important to me in, in being a leader to my community, but also in being a leader, it, it impacted me. Um, and that's empathy. So being empathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an extremely empathetic person. I've been that way my whole life. And I think it, I think that it makes me a, a better leader because I uh, naturally, I care, not just care, but like I can feel the, what my, what people are going through. I have like this sense to be able to do it. And also it can make, it can make me carry the weight of the world on my shoulders because then sometimes when I know that somebody's going through something tough, I, I, I feel it and I feel I carry it around. Um, so that can make it a little bit challenging, but I'd love to talk about the role that you feel um, empathy plays in leadership. There's, there's a quote I like that comes from Dr. Daniel Goleman, one of the true thought leaders from emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And he writes in one of his books, empathy represents the most important social skill to have at work. Mm. And for whatever it's worth, I believe that. I mean, I, I really do. do. I love to ask clients, what does empathy mean to you? Define empathy. And so often people will say, put yourself in the other person's shoes. Feel what they feel. It's, it's about connecting with them. And I always say to them, yes, that's a part of it. And after doing the research and reading uh, Goldman's book and a couple of others, I have a much deeper understanding of what real empathy is. Empathy is comprised of three different things. Number one, empathy is all about understanding others. Empathy is about caring. Empathy is about taking the right action. Action. And if we look at each one of these, if I don't understand someone, if I'm unclear about something that's going on, the best way for me to gain perspective, the best way for me to understand is to ask questions. I just need to ask questions. And this can be so simple, just in that, what's your concern about this? I mean, let, 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 let's go back, Makayla, if we can, just to, to play yeah, with this sure, a little yes. bit. When, when I made the comment earlier, I'm not, I'm not sure that this is a good, good reading program for the kids. Do you have any perspective about what I'm thinking about? No. None. None. So you need, you know, you would need to be empathetic there. Ron, I don't understand. And this is a sample question for understanding others. What's your concern about the program? What's your concern? What worries you about the program? What am yeah. I missing, Ron? What am what what am I missing in in, in your in within your thought process? Whatever it might be. Okay, just again, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Understanding others, 
the one thing that I love to do as well, Michaela, with my clients is ask, how do you know you actually understand someone? How do you know you've asked enough questions and that you do understand where they're coming from? I read this in a book on an aircraft coming home from San Francisco a number of years ago. And when I read it, I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is a keeper. This is going on all my slides, my flip charts, whatever it might be. You know you've asked enough questions and you understand when you can tell the other person's story. Wow. When you can tell their story, you know you understand. I'll give you an example, if I may. Uh, I was, uh, in, in my background, I've run a number of different marathons. I was doing a, uh, I, I was facilitating a course in Philadelphia a couple of years ago. And in the, in the ice breaking activity, I just started talking with one of the participants who said, oh, I, I could never run a marathon. And I didn't have her, I didn't have the perspective and I didn't, I, I didn't handle this well, candidly. Because what I tried to do was to convince her, oh, yes, you can. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication. You can do it, Ron. No, I couldn't run a marathon. And I wasn't taking, I, I just wasn't taking her seriously. Long story short, what she finally said to me was, Ron, you don't get it. I'd love to run a marathon. I talked to my doctor. I have very bad knees. I would hurt myself permanently if I ever ran a marathon. All I needed to do right up front, Ron, I could never run a marathon. What's your concern? Yeah. Done. And then there it is. I, I know her story. Now I can move on to a different topic, whatever it might be. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So and it was, and, and the thing is you, you actually, you had good intentions. Sometimes it's not, exactly. it's, not that, it's not like everybody's walking around, you know, with, with bad intentions, trying to hurt somebody's feelings. Sometimes we just jump right to, Yes, you can. Oh, you can do it. Or problem solving. That's exactly it. And you see, that, that leads us, though, to the second aspect of empathy, which is caring. Okay. And what, again, what, what I like to do in my sessions, I'll ask the participants, the students, whatever. Please just call out to me the things at work about which you care. What's important to you? And they'll come up with, well, I care about morale. I care about profits. I care about safety. I care about, and we'll come up with a list of, you know, 11, 12 things, however many it is. The question then is, take a look at that list of the things about which you care. Can you satisfy everybody, everything on that list at all times? And the answer clearly is no, it's impossible. You can't do it. I mean, from, you know, from an educational perspective, I care about the budget. I care about the curriculum. I care about the students. I care about, you know, just all of these different things. Well, sometimes there are competing priorities here and we can't satisfy everybody all the time. The point for me here is part of caring and therefore part of empathy is we need to have difficult conversations with people. Absolutely. That needs to happen. I mean, and again, without and without psychological safety, how can you have a difficult conversation with someone? You're out to get me. No, you're 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 you know you're trying to you know you're, you you don't want me to get tenure. 
whatever it might be. And it's like, no, 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 that's not it at all. This is just a difficult conversation and it's a difficult decision for me. And I'm sorry, this is the way it needs to be. Yeah. And, you know, and again, there are tools we could even, we could talk about how to have difficult conversations as well. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, it's, I don't know where I, I don't know if I read this or if I just came to this conclusion a couple of years ago about empathy. And the realization for me was that empathy is it, I, the way I would have described it prior to this realization was that it was uh, walking in somebody else's shoes, uh, you know, feeling what somebody else is feeling. But I realized that empathy was actually action. That's when you knew that a leader, uh, that a leader was embodying empathy or was empathetic was in the action that they took because just walking around feeling bad or feeling heavy or thinking about it doesn't do anything for the people that you might be in charge of leading As caring. Yes. To care, but you got to care enough to then take action. That's going to help resolve it. And that was really, uh, it was a couple of years ago. I wish I would remember if I'd love to give credit to the person that <laughs> in my head, unless I just came to that conclusion. I'm not really sure, but it, it, in any, in any event, it was definitely something that was a powerful realization because it's not enough just to feel bad. Cause I'm sure a lot of people feel bad, yes. but the action that we take when we truly understand what's going on with people is actually what will make the difference for a leader in an organization and make a difference for people who are working in that organization. That's right. And when, and, and it, it's so important. And again, that, that is the last aspect of empathy, taking the appropriate action. Now yeah. that I understand, okay, great. We're considering the things about which we care. Put, you know, and again, this is not an all-inclusive list. Part of the appropriate taking action, though, yes, I'm going to help you now. I'll assist you with this. Mm-hmm. We'll train you more. We'll develop you more. Or it can also be, I need to explain something to you, and mm-hmm. this is not going to be fun for either one of yeah. us. Yeah. Except it's necessary. Yes. It, again, it's car- there's, there's courage in it, but what's on the other side of that conversation is usually a stronger relationship um, if it's done, if all the pieces are, are present and there, then, then there's a stronger relationship on the other end of that really difficult conversation. That's right. Well, and I mean, there's, there's another quote that I like, uh, and th- this comes from uh, an author, uh, Susan Scott is her name. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not sure from which book it comes. I think it's Fierce Conversations, and it doesn't matter. Just she writes, though, we as human beings have a deep, deep desire to know where we stand with others. Uh-huh. And that's where those tough conversations come in. Yeah. And I respect anybody. Who will, who will have a, a difficult conversation with me. And I've had my share of them, you know, where I've been on the receiving end. And I'll tell you, I respect the individuals who have, who have had the courage to sit me down and like, Ron, there's stuff going on that you need to change. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You know, I changed and I, got, I was better for it. And so was the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think what I would love to, I'd love to end with um, a question for you. 
and it's this we and i'm not this this would not be applicable just to educational leadership but it's something that i've experienced in the in the realm of educational leadership we talk about hard skills and then we talk about soft skills and even to the point where i've seen you know rating scales uh that have skills and they they rate the, the level of skill and then they'll they don't say hard and soft because that i think would be too obvious <laughs> but certain skills are prioritized uh less prioritized than other skills mm-hmm. and when we talk about emotional intelligence what would you say to someone or how might you respond to someone who says emotional intelligence is just a soft skill it really doesn't matter uh that's just one of those soft skills that isn't really as important as the other skills in leaders i'm going to circle back to uh daniel goleman again Mm -hmm. and he he makes a comment in a in a video that i saw and he says When you get out in the workforce, everybody is about as smart as you are. Everybody, you know, everyone's intelligent. You know, there are people, you know, people have their MBAs, their PhDs, whatever it might be. He said, what separates people from being good, really good and superior is their level of emotional intelligence, which is their ability to work well with other people. Mm-hmm. So anybody who says emotional intelligence is just, oh, that that's just fluff. You're going to get a different perspective from me. And you'll get that pretty vehemently, frankly. Yeah. And I, and, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, 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 no. I guess, you know, the, the one thing I would talk about too, though, Michaela, with emotional intelligence, for me, one of the most important aspects of that is any individual who is going to work well with other people, before you can do that, you need to get to know yourself on a very, mm. very deep level. And that's what emotional, it's a big part of what emotional intelligence is about. You, you need to get to know what are your strengths? We all have them. What are our limitations? We all have them too. Yes. Comfortable sharing them with people. Being comfortable, I'm not clear on this, or this is a skill with which I struggle. I need help. Being humble enough to apologize when you're wrong. And I mean, just what triggers me at work? What are what are some emotional situations that I know myself? Mm-hmm. I've got to be careful with what I do here and with what I say. And I mean, th- there's so much more to talk about within emotional intelligence still and all. The key thing is get to know yourself extremely well. And once that's once you once that's in place then you can work more effectively with others. That's a, that's a really great point. How, and I think what you pose there is, you know, what, just what are my strengths? What are my, my limitations or things like areas for growth and how does that show up for me at work um, is really powerful to be able to share with, well, to acknowledge within yourself and then share with whether it's your immediate team or, it doesn't have to be announcing it to the world, but um, being able to to share that uh, helps because then you know what also know what kind of support to ask for, um, and your manager also knows what kind of support you're going to need and can start to 
get that together because we all understand there are things that we all need help with. That's it. And, and that, that's, that's exactly it. Well, I mean, I feel like we could probably do an entire podcast, like <laughs> podcast in and of itself on these topics because there's just so much there. Um, but what I want to leave our listeners with is you, I mean, you have literally been a treasure trove of information, authors, books, quotes. And I think this topic is extremely, it's obviously very relevant and needed in the education space, but I also think it's interesting and something that people want more information about or like to explore. So what's the best way to access you in order to work with you or learn more about this? Probably the, the best way to get a hold of me would be through my LinkedIn page. Okay. And people can people can just reach out. Ron Reich, uh, my company is RLB Training and Development. Mm -hmm. And Michaela, I mean, I, 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 it's so important to me that anyone listening understand that I welcome the chance to connect with you. I welcome the chance to have a conversation with you. And that's what it would be. It would be a conversation like you and I are having. Mm. You're not going to get a sales pitch from me. You're not going to, oh, if you don't do this, watch out. You're going to, not at all. I mean, I, I welcome that kind of contact. It's just, a, it's a very, very big part of who I am. And actually I'll link it back because I know myself. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a big part of who I am and I welcome the chance to connect with anyone. I love that. I We'll link that in the episode notes. So I'll, I'll name your company and I'll also uh, link your LinkedIn there too. So people can find you. Thank you so much for taking the time today to share all of this with us. I know that it's going to make anybody listening a better leader. And I look forward to also working you know, together in the future down the road to continue to bring this value to education. Makayla, it's been my pleasure. Thank, thank you. I, I knew this would be fun and it was. <laughs> You know, I experienced years of what I now know was extreme psychological unsafety before I even became aware of the term. And I have a psychology degree um, and I, you know, I've studied emotional intelligence and this concept is really rooted in research. And har in fact, Harvard Business Review has several articles on the importance of creating a psychologically safe work environment. Without it, we are not productive. So I know I've said it before, I've said it in my lives. Uh, our education system, when I say that, I guess I just, I should just say the people in it need to be accountable to this work research and to the way that we say, or we know that we get productive or production out of people productivity. Um, we are in the people business and in the people business, psychological safety is the most important thing in order for our teacher teams, our staff teams, our leadership teams to be at their best, which they deserve to be. And so do our kids. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Take care.